Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including great guests, of course, including Wes Durham of the ACC Network on college basketball. We actually have the final night of regular season NBA action tonight, at least before the All-Star Weekend in Chicago. I will speak with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer on a whole bunch of themes. Mid-season MVP, what to watch this weekend in Chicago, on the court and otherwise. I'll let you know why Jennifer Hudson, the late Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, and Anthony Davis are among those on my mind with All-Star Weekend in mind. Jennifer Hudson, yes indeed. Those two guests are later. Your invitation to join us comes earlier on, among other things, we'll hit, of course, college basketball. Louisville has been described correctly as one of the frontline teams in the ACC this year and among the handful of the best nationally. The Cardinals stubbed their toe last night at Georgia Tech. They're not the only ones. Remember, even Duke lost at home to Stephen F. Austin and on the road to the Clemson Tigers. Duke has had a head-scratching loss or two. Florida State even has had a head-scratching loss. I remember even to start the season, they lost at the Pitt Panthers, who are probably going to end up being an NIT team this year. Louisville had not yet had one of those games. And with human beings, especially the 17 to 22-year-old variety, you are really doing well if you avoid one of these laying egg games. Well, it finally happened for Chris Mack and the Cardinals. We'll talk about what happened, the pecking order at the top of the ACC, Virginia on the right side of the bubble, NC State on the wrong side in the eyes of most. But the best candidate for ACC number five, if the league does indeed get that many into the big dance. Huge win recently at Syracuse, of course, as we discussed in great detail on yesterday's program. Wes Moore and the Wolfpack women, Coach Moore, one of our guests earlier this week as well, have a big game tonight. They're at Reynolds Coliseum, of course. That is the place they call home. It is an ACC network game, and it is a battle of a, between programs that on the one side, the Wolfpack, they have their highest ranking as a program in 20 years. They're number four in the polls, and they are at home tonight, of course, against another of the best teams in the ACC. The Louisville Cardinals might be described as a number two seed right now. So this is one of those one-seed candidates versus two-seed candidates, at least for now. The Wolfpack, as Coach Moore told us, also trying to break an ugly drought when it comes to ACC championships, not only for the Wolfpack women on the basketball court, but more generally in football and men's basketball and baseball and the other sports that we love to follow most. More on that matchup on the women's side, a whole lot more on the men's side. NBA XFL Week 2 is almost here. Tiger Woods and friends are back 
back on the golf course, this time at Riviera starting today. The Carolina Hurricanes are back home after a four-game road trip that brought a 2-2 two and two record but that also dropped them out of Eastern Conference playoff position. So nervous times to a degree. The NHL trade deadline is not far away, and Rod Brindamore and the boys need to get back on the winning track. They host games tomorrow night and Sunday against beatable opponents. We'll talk some hockey, some golf, some football, some basketball, and we'll even mix in some baseball today as we welcome your input in the form of our questions of the day and also the topics that I just mentioned. Beyond the ACC, by the way, you've got UNC Greensboro in good position in the Southern Conference. The Charlotte 49ers under their second-year head coach, Ron Sanchez, third in Conference USA, playing well and visiting the first-place team in their league tonight. That's North Texas, so go 49ers. Central and A&T remain the favorites or among them in the MEAC. Dustin Kearns at App State has one of the more competitive Mountaineers basketball teams that I've seen in my time covering them. They're fourth in the Sun Belt, and they're at Georgia State tonight, so good luck to the Mountaineers as well. I have a basketball question of the day, and I have a baseball question of the day that allows for your participation. Of course, you can chime in on the Canes or the NHL. Of course, all things March Madness and college basketball are available for your questions, comments, and complaints. We'll get more into the ACC stuff here in just a little bit. I will tell you also why is Dallas Cowboys legend Drew Pearson. I grew up watching this guy catch passes for a lot of really good Dallas Cowboys teams. Why is Cowboys legend Drew Pearson so mad at a college football coach right now that he is attacking him repeatedly on social media, even calling him a con man, among other things? That just happened yesterday. I'll tell you what's going on. It involves the very sensitive topic of college coaches leaving their job behind, leaving their school behind, often after promises about how they'd like to be there for a long time, and leaving their players and recruits behind, sometimes after sitting in their living rooms and saying, yeah, I'm going to be here for your whole time at good old State U. And then they sign on the dotted line, and then sometimes days or weeks later, that same coach who made that promise in your living room to your mom or dad or in Drew Pearson's case, it was his grandson who signed at the school where the coach made that promise. Eyeball to eyeball with Drew Pearson. And then soon after signing on the dotted line, meaning the recruit, that coach took off for another Power 5 job. In case you're wondering, it's Mel Tucker. He left Colorado of the Pac-12. He took over the Michigan State job this week. And Drew Pearson is calling him a con man and that's only one of the things that he's discussing. You can chime in with your question or comment on that. The basketball question of the day is this. Where is LeBron James at 35 years old on your MVP ballot right now? You could call it a midseason ballot. We're a little past the midway of the NBA regular season. You could call it an all-star break ballot, whatever. I am well aware of Giannis Antetokounmpo, best player on the team with the best record. And if you voted Giannis number one on your ballot right now, I wouldn't have any complaints. It is rare for a guy 35 years old or older to even be in the mix for NBA MVP. And on my ballot, LeBron James, he actually had another great night last night. 
as the Lakers put up another victory. 32 points, 14 assists, 12 rebounds as the Lakers beat the Nuggets in Denver. Denver's a good team again this year. That was LeBron's 12th triple-double of the season, and that is tied for most in the NBA. He's the star, a starter and the team captain again in the All-Star game. This will be his 16th. That is one of the highest numbers of all time. Y'all know he's a three-time NBA champion, a four-time league MVP. That's not relevant to this year's debate, but question of the day, where is LBJ on your N- NBA MVP ballot here at the All-Star break? Again, if you're putting a lot of names before LeBron, you're watching a different league than I am, I salute the guy for what he is doing at 35 years old. I believe Carl Malone is the only guy in that age bracket ever to win the league's MVP award. And LeBron may have an uphill battle because of the brilliance of Giannis and the success of the Milwaukee Bucks. But we'll talk with Rick Bennell about that one as well. Where is LeBron? One, two, three, four on your MVP ballot right now. We can get into the candidates, if you like, as one more night of basketball precedes the All-Star Weekend in Chicago. Baseball fans, my question to you is this. Because more and more current and former members of the cheating Houston Astros are offering their apologies right now. We actually have some of this audio for you, all tracing, of course, to their illegal sign-stealing scandal that included their World Series season of 2017. Bottom line question is this. Do you believe them, and will you forgive them? They attack the integrity of a game that perhaps you love. I've been around long enough that, yeah, sometimes somebody stabs you in the back personally or professionally or whatever. I've always been of the mindset that if I really believe, some never apologize and you just get over it, but if I really believe that you're genuine and authentic with your apology, I'm going to forgive you. I haven't yet encountered something that is so horrific that if your apology is genuine, I'm still going to turn my back. Maybe I hope to never get to that point. Many, though, offer apologies that are far more pragmatic then they are authentic. And that's where I have a little harder time saying, yeah, no problem, let's move on. Question of the day, do you believe these lion cheating Astros who are offering their apologies, and will you forgive them as someone who holds perhaps the game of baseball sacred? 1-800-849-2761. Chime in on the LeBron question, chime in on the baseball question. I'll offer my thoughts, and of course, we will welcome yours. Charles Hadley is in for the still-on-assignment Darren Vaught as the producer of this program. Intern Will is a rising star in the broadcasting ranks as well. He is representing William Peace University. He'll be the first voice you hear if you call on the LeBron question of the day. Where is he on your MVP ballot right now as the all-star break awaits baseball question do you believe these Astros when they're apologizing publicly we'll give you the audio on the other side and will you forgive them after they attacked the integrity of the game and no that is not too strong a phrase West Durham of the ACC Network on College Hoops Hour 2 Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer on the NBA and All-Star Weekend Hour 3 you'll like some of the Kobe Bryant tributes that are planned this weekend in Chicago 1-800-849-2761 we're going to visit a lot of corners of the sports universe today and we invite your participation 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. All the fans 
are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We have a couple questions of the day for you now. Great guests later, Wes Durham on College Hoops, Rick Bennell on the NBA and the upcoming All-Star Weekend. I have a question for basketball fans, a question for baseball fans, and an intriguing story where Dallas Cowboys legend Drew Pearson is so mad at a college football coach who was supposed to be the coach for his grandson, but after making a face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball promise, I will not leave your grandson's school if he signs with me, Weeks later, that same coach left that school and took another job in another power conference. Drew Pearson is calling that coach, Mel Tucker, now of Michigan State, quote, a con man, among other things. And it raises an issue we've talked about a lot. Hey, if players can't move around without some penalties most of the time, the one-year sit-out period, for example, in the major sports, Uh, Why can coaches just jump around even after making promises like that? We'll get into those details after some of your calls. Kevin in Wilmington wants in on the Astros. Chad and Boone on the baseball question as well. Others, my basketball question. Where is 35-year-old LeBron James on your MVP ballot right now as we are about to enter All-Star Weekend? Giannis Antetokounmpo has been number one in most of the straw polls that I have seen, and understandably so, best player on the first-place team in the whole league, best record, I should say, in the Eastern Conference or otherwise. LeBron James's numbers are up there, and I find it interesting that when Giannis is not on the court, Milwaukee still dominates its NBA opponents to a ridiculous degree. In other words, you can find numbers for everything now. So when LeBron's or when Giannis is on the court, of course, the Bucs are beating people even more severely. But when he's off the court, they're still beating people significantly. With LeBron in L.A., yes, the Lakers also have one of the best records in the entire NBA. He joins Giannis on, on the what they call net plus list, right? The Lakers are beating people by this many points per game during the minutes LeBron is out there. LeBron's number is way up there near Giannis's number. The twist is that when LeBron leaves the game, the Lakers become something close to an average NBA team. That's just in the numbers. That's not my opinion, the eyeball test, or anything else. Bucks are still way above average when Giannis is resting. The Lakers go from elite to mediocre when LeBron is resting. And again, I'm not blind to the brilliance of Giannis. It's more a question about, does everybody see what LeBron is doing at 35? If he's not in the top three of your MVP ballot right now, you're disrespecting the guy for a reason that has nothing to do with basketball. Where is 35-year-old LeBron James on your MVP ballot right now? Baseball question as we come to Kevin and Chad and you. 1-800-849-2761. I believe we have the Astros owner, Jim Crane, in this awkward interview where he was actually the first. This interview is from this week, 
But previously, Jim Crane apologized for this train wreck, the intentional sign-stealing scandal, in clear-cut, no-doubt-about-it violation of not only baseball rules, but baseball rules where they put out clarifications just to make sure that you understood, no, you're not allowed to do this. It's not legal sign-stealing like the guy on second base peeking at the catcher's signals and then trying to signal it to the batter. There are still forms of sign-stealing that are not against the rules, and weren't when I was a little guy playing baseball and weren't 100 years ago either, and they're still not illegal. When you're using technology to do those things, as the Astros were and got caught doing, it's patently, no doubt about it, illegal. So Jim Crane previously did apologize. Many Astros players had not. One by one, they're starting to. Why are these interviews starting to leak out? Well, because spring training is upon us. Pitchers and catchers have reported at most teams. The rest of the squads are going to be reporting early next week. So you get another audience with the media, and that's why you're seeing, of course, all these Astros were going to get these questions. You knew that was going to happen. We just weren't sure how they were going to respond because at Fan Fest events, there were no apologies to be found. So the same guys that you're, you'll hear today, Alex Bergman, Jose Altuve, on those 2017 World Series champions, when they were at the Fan Fest surrounded by Astros fans, there wasn't a peep of, I'm sorry, I apologize for attacking the integrity of the game. It was just a celebration, right? Which, is, which leads to some skepticism from me if all of a sudden you got to deal with the independent journalists and you're not all warm and fuzzy and surrounded by fans as you just crack open more champagne bottles to celebrate the World Series title that you got while cheating or whatever other success, I'm a little skeptical. And my question to you is, do you believe these guys and their apologies? And do you forgive them? I brought up the point. If you're being genuine, I'll forgive you for almost anything. Not quite everything, but almost anything. If I believe you're genuine. If I think you're being pragmatic or you're just not authentic, no, I'm not going to forgive you because it's not a legitimate request for forgiveness. I'm not sure about these guys, but this was Jim Crane, and then we'll come to your calls. Astros owner, these are the more recent comments, a little back and forth between him and a reporter. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Sign stealing is a distinct advantage for the hitter. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter? So doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I'm a baseball guy my entire life. That is disingenuous. You need, you know, the old saying, knowledge is power. It has never been more true in the history of civilization than it is in America right now. The only way to know when somebody is lying is to be educated about the topic that they are discussing. If you don't know any better, if my mechanic lied to me in eight different ways about my car and I'm not an expert on cars, I might catch the most obvious lie, but I'm probably going to miss six out of eight, seven out of eight, maybe all eight. I just don't know cars all that well. I know how to turn the key. I know how to drive. I occasionally drive too fast. I can solve simple problems, but beyond that, I need to lean on somebody else's expertise. Whether it's a baseball team owner talking, or a pathological liar po politician talking, the only way you can know they're lying is if you are an educated person.
right? If you don't understand what the Constitution is, well, you're not going to know when they're lying about it. If you don't understand separation of powers, you don't know when they're lying about it or violating it, et cetera. Knowledge is power. I know in a lot of areas who, who's lying and who's not, who's disingenuous and who's genuine with their public comments. Drives me crazy, especially when much of America just nods their head not knowing that they're being lied to. In this particular case, folks, I know from a lifetime as a baseball batter and I know from a lifetime as a baseball pitcher, if you know what pitch is coming, it is absolutely, positively, no doubt about it, a competitive advantage. Anyone who says otherwise to you is either doing it because he has to, avoiding some kind of sanction or lawsuit or whatever, or because he's a liar. There are the only two possibilities. Of course you're going to have a better batting average when you know what pitch is coming. And that is the owner of the Houston Astros, who when the scandal broke, seemed genuine with his apology. But for whatever reason, and there's always a reason, we just don't always know what it is, he is lying to you. Tell, I'm looking to any baseball player. I played until I was 24 years old. Five years old to 24. I got to the point where I could get you out if you were looking fastball and I threw curveball, and I could get you out if you're looking curveball and I could throw you a fastball in the right place. I mean, the difference is like you batting 500 against me and you batting 100 against me. That's how, that's not a little competitive advantage. That is, I am going to use DG like he's a batting practice pitcher when you know what's coming versus I'm going to get you a lot more than you're going to get me when you don't know what's coming, which is the way it's supposed to be, right? Like that is one of maybe my largest advantage over you. And they had this use of technology, big screen TVs, center field camera, communicate to the batter in the batter's box scam that allowed them to post great success, even as a great team. I can't take Jim Crane at his word because in that part of his comments, he's lying to us. And we must be smart enough to call out pathical liars, pathological liars when they are lying to us in all walks of life. That is a lie. I look forward to any baseball player of any level of expertise to back up Jim Crane's claim, Jim Crane's claim that it's not, we're not sure if it's a competitive advantage. Are you bleeping kidding me? Like, look, you can see how nervous he was looking into the camera. Why? Because people who haven't entirely sold their souls already, they're the ones that just lie like they breathe. They don't even know when they're lying anymore because they sold their souls so long ago. He apparently still has a soul. And that's why he was so uncomfortable saying out loud something that in the fiber of his being he knew was absolutely untrue, but he has to go on with this masquerade for this reason or that. Now, you can believe Jose Altuve, you can leave, believe Alex Bergman or not. That is a lie. Don't be gullible. Don't be naive in life, in baseball, in sports, as an American or otherwise. Because there are charlatans everywhere, and this is a great example of it. Kevin in Wilmington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. So, uh, the book on baseball is Bull Durham. And Crash called for the Duke, and Newt shook him off. And he goes out there, why are you shaking me off? He goes, this guy's a first pitch fastball hitter. Yep. 
He goes, well, he hadn't seen my fastball. <laughs> and he goes, okay. He goes back to the guy and says, oh, fastball, what happened? And what's, come, and what's coming out of the woodwork all over Major League Baseball right now? These guys who have to apologize are apologizing. Again, I can't see into their hearts, so I don't know who's disingenuous the way Jim Crane just was uh, and who's telling the truth. It's, it's hard to know. It's hard to look into a person's soul, et cetera. But all the independent observers, all these guys are now realizing, you know, all year long I would get these guys out with these certain pitches and these certain situations. And for whatever reason, man, you know, I had this 8.72 ERA against the Astros that year, and I got to feeling out there like they almost knew what was coming. And that's not one guy. That's a whole parade of people, some of them former Astros, but a lot of opposing players, of course, where they couldn't figure out in the moment why it felt like they knew what was coming, and now they know. Now, there are always alternatives in baseball. We were taught not to tip our pitches, right? If my arm angle is a certain angle and a smart batter can see that, if it's a certain angle on this pitch and a much different angle on this pitch, well, you half know what's coming as soon as you see my arm slot, right? So you, you, you can't hold your glove in a different way. You, 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 you got to be robotic out there. You've got to duplicate your delivery like a robot so that you're not tipping your pitches, right? It's got to, whether it's fastball, changeup, slider, your, your approach, your mechanics have to be exactly the same on all of them until, of course, the last split second where you're, you know, you're, you're flipping your wrist or whatever the mechanics are. And in this particular case, it feels like all independent observers are saying, of course, it's a huge competitive advantage or disadvantage. And those in the middle of the cheating, you know, aren't quite so sure that they want to say it exactly that way. Ken is in the triangle. And next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. Hey, David. So, you know, it's wrong on so many levels. What happened, we could go on forever and recrimination against the players. But what I'd like you to focus on for the audience is, you know, the structure of the MLB and a recrimination that's possible against not just management, but the owners. I mean, at what point, what ethically has to happen in terms of the, the destruction of the game, the sport itself, to get the MLB to say, you know what? We can get another guy. They're out. We're pulling the team. We're going to get another owner, and we're going to let the cards fall where they may. Because they, they got to protect their product. they got to protect the game that, that we love. I wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, and you can stick with me in case you have any examples that come to mind. In my 34 years covering sports, I cannot think of many examples beyond Donald Sterling in the NBA where an owner was forced out. In his case, of course, a, a lot of supercharged racial issues, et cetera. But he had to sell the Clippers of the NBA. The way it works, I think even in our world, beyond, uh, we're not beyond sports exactly, but we're not franchises, we're not universities, obviously. We just talk and write about sports. In our world, you often see mid-level managers or vice presidents or radio hosts fired. You do not often see the owner of the company fired, right? And think about it in the sports that we follow, NFL, baseball, basketball, whatever, you almost never see an owner disciplined this way. You might see a reprimand or a fine, but you do not see you must sell your team. Whereas what happened in this Astros case? The GM was fired. Baseball did not require that by the sanction. That was Jim Crane of the Astros deciding, even though he did not technically have to, he fired both his general manager and his field manager 
So those would be two of the highest ranking officials in the entire organization, of course. They're important people. And their heads did roll. But whose head didn't roll? And this is to Ken's question. You know how it works, Ken. Just as, you know, the owner of something is the last person whose root door I would kick down and tell them how it's going to be, right? Whereas most mid-level people, you know, I long ago passed the point where I was the owner in some contexts, and I was number two in some other contexts. So you are in a different position based on that point of view. And just as Roger Goodell has to serve owners and rarely calls them out and never forces them to sell, uh, David Stern all the way through Adam Silver, yeah, you sometimes have to reprimand owners, find them, prevent them from doing something, or in the rare Sterling case, actually force him to sell his team. How many other examples are there that any of us can think of where the owner was forced to sell his team at that level? I, I mean, this, this is why your suggestion, while philosophically, you're right. What is the greatest disincentive for owners to make sure there's none of this nonsense under their watch. Well, if they thought their hiney was in a sling, guess what? It ain't going to happen as often. If none of us can come up with more than a single or two or three examples in the history of modern American sports where an owner was forced to sell his team because of a certain level of wrongdoing, well, that reinforces commissioners serve owners. Commissioners, by definition, do work for owners. So when you see a collective bargaining agreement coming up, and the players or the players association have this point of view. They don't pay us enough. We need more insurance. We need a bigger share of the pie. You know, they're, of course, speaking as an advocate for their side. Owners are speaking as an advocate for their side as owners against the players. And sometimes people will view a commissioner as a somewhat neutral party as he chimes in on whatever his thoughts are. Collective bargaining agreement, whatever, TV negotiations. Ah, uh -uh, no, no. The commissioner truly is hired at the request of the owners. He serves their interest. He is not at all a neutral party. So you're in a predicament wherein Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, has little to no precedent in his sport. Again, I'd have to go back into the archives to find more examples. He's not going to run Astros owner Jim Crane out of town unless he had the support of a whole lot of owners. And the owners who make the rules are not going to adopt a rule that says, hey, if there's this level of scandal, heads can roll all the way to the top. And you know what their excuse will be, in part? Well, I don't always know what's happening day to day all the way down there. And th the owners will all look at each other and nod their heads. Now, nah, let's table that proposal. We don't want the worst stuff coming all the way up to us at the ownership level. So fire the GM. Fire the field manager, fire other intermediaries. You know, you did, they didn't sanction players in this case, but in other contexts, that has been uh, part of the sanctions. It's a philosophically good idea, and it's one that has roughly a 0% chance of being adopted in baseball or any of the other major sports that we follow. 1-800-849-2761. We'll get to Quinn on the other side. Chad, Aaron, Todd, and David all want in. We'll get to college basketball, of course, more NBA, the LeBron question. Where is 35-year-old LeBron James on your M MVP ballot here as the All-Star break is upon us? 
What he's doing at that age, I believe, is one of the greatest accomplishments for someone in that age bracket in the history of the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo is number one on most MVP ballots, and I understand why. I'm not sure LeBron's getting the, the respect he deserves. Another great game for him last night as the Lakers beat the Nuggets in Denver. Do you believe these apologizing Astros... And will you forgive them as baseball fans? More of your answers to those questions and more of those headlines. NHL, college hoops, NBA, and otherwise, you can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. West Durham in 25 minutes on college hoops. Rick Bennell, hour three on more NBA. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. It is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Nice work by Charles Hadley there. Liar is the bump music. David's in Greensboro, Quinn is in Raleigh, Aaron's in Wake Forest, Todd's in Kinston, Matt is in Greenville. We appreciate your participation from every corner of the great state of North Carolina. We're going to get to college hoops with West Durham in about 20 minutes. We're going to get to the NBA with Rick Bennell in hour number three. The All-Star Weekend in Chicago is almost upon us. LeBron James is on my mind, as are Jennifer Hudson, the late Kobe Bryant, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, and a few others. I'll elaborate on that after I deliver on a promise to you, we're coming right back to your phone calls. Our baseball question of the day has a whole lot of people wanting to jump in. Do you believe the Houston Astros, their owner, their star players, have given apologies within the last couple of days? Uh, the audio we brought you earlier in today's program from the owner, Jim Crane, was actually from this morning. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, also apologized in brief statements for their roles in the team's sign-stealing scheme from 2017, when, of course, they did win the World Series. The question to you, as a sports fan, even maybe not a baseball fan in particular, do you believe these guys, and will you forgive them? One thing Jim Crane said to me makes it hard to forgive them. He was sure that they broke the rules. Okay, all right, good. You're apologizing. You're admitting. I, I can get on board with, a, with forgiving a lot of people for doing the wrong thing. But then you, you make the outrageous suggestion that you're not sure that you got a competitive advantage from it. I have met individual players who will tell you that they're not sure they wanted to know what pitch was coming, okay? However, <laughs> in the general scheme, every other player in this league – I played the beautiful game for 20 years. I'm telling you, I lived it. I breathed it as a batter and as a pitcher. It is a ginormous advantage overall, even if an individual player doesn't see an advantage. Maybe he just doesn't want to know what pitch is coming. Okay, I'll buy that. But the overall umbrella statement, you're not sure it's a competitive advantage, well, now you're not giving me an authentic apology Probably for CYA reasons, cover your blank. The lawyers are telling you not to admit too much because then you're going to get lawsuits and, and even more than what you've already been hit with. David is in Greensboro and next up on the David Glenn Show. Hey, David. David what's up, man? Thanks, thanks sure. for taking my call. You got it. Go right ahead. Um, I just want to get your take on just sign stealing in general, right? I mean, I don't agree with what they were doing using technology and everything. 
I'm an Astros fan that's living here in the triad, and it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But if stealing signs is stealing signs and it's coming from the dugout or if it's coming from first base or second base, I mean, that's giving you a competitive advantage as well. And what, what's your take overall? I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. Yeah, the qu- yeah. my question to you would be, if you were the king of baseball, would where would you draw the line? Because the reason I don't have any sympathy for the Astros is that they crystal clear drew a line. And they made clear, if you're the guy on second base and somehow I'm in the batter's box and you and I have this methodology where, I don't know, you put your right hand on the tip of your cap and I know a curveball is coming because you, you on second base as a runner saw the catcher's signs and think you've deciphered that. It was crystal clear that that is sign stealing, but it's not illegal, as you said, and it hasn't been for 100 plus years. But when they specifically write a rule that says the use of technology to do these things is patently, outrageously illegal and a violation of the integrity of the sport, and you're caught with your hand in the cookie jar the way the Astros were, well, you, you, can't, you can't claim, I didn't understand the rules. So if you were the commissioner, how would you make the rule? Would you just say it's all, it's all alike? And if you're good enough with technology to steal signs, go right ahead and do that. You don't see a difference between that and the guy standing on second base? Oh, I, I mean, I definitely see the difference. I just think, right, if, 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 I mean, like stealing, like out, you know, in society, stealing is stealing, whether you use it one way or you use it the other way. Um, I mean, I don't agree with what they did at all, but, I mean, it's, I feel like it's just been in, in been part of the game for so long yeah well technology make- hasn't been around forever though you didn't always have the ability to put a sign or a camera in center field that can get into the microscopic details of the catcher's groin area and figure out whether he has one two or three fingers down or a fist or whatever and then pump that to your hd tv in the tunnel and then use caveman technology, banging trash cans and otherwise, to communicate to the guy in the batter's box. Again, your, your principle, your philosophical question is a fair question. And if baseball had not made clear what was illegal and what was legal, then you'd, you'd have a beef here. But they did. They made it crystal clear. They put out clarifications just to make sure everybody understood that it was outrageously, completely unacceptable and illegal. If you want to be the commissioner and change the rules, you know, anything goes. Anything goes. And make it a technological battle to see who can steal signs the best. I don't believe that would make the sport of baseball better. Right? The guy on second base, I as a pitcher have to work with my catcher to be deceitful a little bit, right? Or at least to be covert in some way. My catcher and I need to know what pitch I need to throw here. We can't miscommunicate or that's going to be a big problem. Probably a wild pitch or a pass ball and an advantage to our opponent. But we got to realize the guy on second is allowed to look at the catcher's fingers. We should not be forced to contemplate the microscopic camera from center field that is pumping information through HDTVs that can be communicated to the guy in the batter's box. That doesn't make the sport that I love better. In fact, I think it would make a mockery of the game. Oh, great. Now, now another thing that these teams are going to compete on is who can cheat the best, who can use technology the best. I mean, come on. Enjoy the old school aspects of the game where you, if a, an opponent is, when a baseball pitcher, and this does happen regularly, sometimes he holds his glove differently or a batter will notice or a team will notice, hey, this guy goes back, you know, I'm a lefty. So on, if they determined that on my fastballs, I, my hand was always on the ball and there was no movement in the glove, right? And maybe on breaking balls, they 
figured out that I was holding the ball longer in my glove. Whatever. It's my fault if I give that indication or tip away. That's my fault. I've got to be routine. I've, I've got to not give them that ability to decipher what is coming. That's on me. But you, you want to create a sport where, where I've got to be, you know, a robo pitcher as well? I got to be Inspector Clouseau. I got to be in the Tuttles and I got to figure out. I mean, come on. I, I don't, that, that to me is an outrageously bad idea, to be candid. Todd is in Kinston and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Dave. It's good to talk to you again. Thanks, man. I, you know, I'm a Yankees fan and a Dodgers fan, so I obviously am not going to forgive these guys anytime soon. And, you know, when the, the owner got rid of the managers, I thought, well, maybe, you know, he's he's trying to get past this. But, I mean, I think this corruption obviously goes to the top, and I just I feel like the commissioner missed an opportunity to to come down hard on these guys and, and set an example because, I mean, I don't see that this is any different than the Black Sox scandal. Wow. Well, that's that's, of course, you know, the accepting money from gamblers to throw the World Series. So that is uh, a little bit different. Uh, I my reaction is somewhat similar to yours, Todd, because when Jim Crane originally came out and remember, in some categories, baseball did do the most extreme thing it was allowed to do under the rules. Right. If a commissioner is told, hey, it's in our bylaws that the largest fine is X. Well, you can't get mad at the commissioner for not giving a fine five times that. I mean, his hands are tied. It's in the bylaws. So he gave them the maximum fine. My initial reaction to Jim Crane was your reaction because I was like, wow, he didn't have to fire his GM. He didn't have to fire A.J. Hinch, his field manager, and he did. And I wanted to believe that he was more sorry and more genuine and more authentic. And then he just comes out today and says he's not sure there was a competitive advantage. Maybe there was. Maybe there wasn't, he said. That, folks, is the definition of disingenuous. And again, knowledge is power. You have to play this game to know that that's a disingenuous statement, just as in society, et cetera. You have to know enough to know when somebody is either flat out lying or intentionally misleading you. You must be knowledgeable. Otherwise, the con man gets away with being the con man. The charlatan gets away with being the charlatan. You know, the carnival barker clown gets to get away with being the carnival barker clown. And that doesn't make anybody's life better, anybody's sports sport better, anybody's country better. It's, it's just an outrageous and unfortunate reality. As some people say, we live in the information age. Wow, the power of disinformation and people just lying to you and misleading you on purpose has never been more scary in sports or society than it is right now. West Durham on college basketball in 10 minutes. Rick Bennell, third hour on the NBA. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. West Durham is one of the great voices of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and at this time of year, college basketball. Now with the ACC Network, also the voice of the NFL's Atlanta Falcons. We might get into some Valentine's Day. We'll also get into low-scoring college basketball games. Notre Dame and Virginia scored a total of five points in their overtime earlier this week. West Durham on all things college hoops next.
Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show.